Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. which I know is some of you at this point. Uh, my name's John. I am one of the pastors here, and I want to dive right in this morning because I want to start with a story that has to do with the conversation that you all were just having because I have to confess to you that this week I had a classic overreaction, y'all. So what happened was on Thursday, I knew it was just going to be one of those really busy days for me. I had to put the finishing touches on this sermon as well as do some other things. My wife, Erin, she had lots of work to do. Our kids always have their schedules. It it was just going to be a really full day. But I also really wanted to get a workout in. But I didn't think there was going to be enough time to do so. And so what I did is I set my alarm for 4.50 a.m., Now, that's not a humble brag at all, but you're welcome. Um, No, it was actually not a good choice. But here's the thing. My alarm goes off. I'm like, I'm going to get my workout in before everyone else is even awake, and then we'll get on with our busy day. So my alarm goes off. I actually get up. Don't hit the snooze button at all. Big win. And I have my workout clothes all laid out. I put them on. I go upstairs to where I normally exercise. And the minute that I start my workout, my two-year-old daughter wakes up at 5.15 a.m., which is very unlike her. And I just want to point out that that is not a godly hour. I believe I was sinning just by being awake at that moment, but I was willing to do it for the Peloton. Um, And and I'll tell you, here's my confession. My confession is, as soon as I heard her little cry over the monitor, I lost it. I got so frustrated, I threw down my workout towel. I did like a whisper scream where I was like, I just want to get a workout out because I didn't want to wake anyone else up. I was throwing basically a two-year-old tantrum. That's what happened. And I recognize, I recognize that my reaction was not in proportion to the circumstance. I was doing something that my college professor would always say. I was ouching way more than I was being pinched in that moment. And so I kind of reflected on it. And I think the reason that I had such a large reaction to something so small is because in that moment, in my eyes, that circumstance was confirming an internal narrative that I had been carrying around. For me, in this season of having young kids, I have started to carry around this story inside of me that says, there's not enough time. Anyone else carry this story with them? There's not enough time for work. There's not enough time to be a good dad and be a good husband. There's not enough time to stay in shape and to spend time with God and to have hobbies and to watch the bulls lose. Like, there's just not enough time. Time And I've been carrying this around with me. And here's the funny thing. I actually got my workout in later in the day, no problem. But in that moment at 5.15 a.m., I was certain that it wasn't going to happen. I was certain that there wasn't going to be enough time because of the story that I had in my head. And because I had this story of scarcity, I was seeing everything in my life through the lens of that story, whether it was true or not. You see, something that I believe is true about all of us is that our lives are driven by the stories that we live in. Our lives, yours and mine, they are in large part directed 
by the internal narratives that we carry around with us, consciously or unconsciously. You already know this is true, and if you don't know it's true, you live it out day to day. Like, for example, if you have a story, an internal narrative, that the world is a hateful place and that people are just out to get you, then your life is going to be driven by self-preservation and by us versus them thinking. Or in relationship, like if you, if you have a story around love that says that you have to be good enough and perform good enough in order to earn love, then you are always going to find yourself performing for love in relationship rather than actually being present to love in relationship. If you're like me and you carry around that story of scarcity, that there's just not enough time, or maybe for you, it's that there's not enough money or there's not enough resources to go around, then every decision in your life is gonna be based off of hoarding or greed. Our lives are in large part driven by the story or the stories that we live in. And so the question that I want you to kind of ask yourself this morning, do a little check-in, is what story are you living in right now? Like, like what, coming in here today, 10.30, November 19th, 2023, what internal narratives are you not only carrying, but they are actually driving your decisions and driving your life? What is the lens through which you see every situation or every conversation or every circumstance in your life? Because as we just said, the story that you are living in ultimately is driving your decisions it's setting your perspective. Ultimately, the story that you live in is setting the trajectory for the rest of your life. And so what I want us to kind of wrestle with together today for a few moments is what might it look like for you and I to begin to live into a different story, specifically to live into the story that God is writing. And all of this, spoiler alert, is going to lead us to the waters of baptism. So the only question now is, Soul City, are you ready? All right, some people are excited. All right, I need you to reach under the seat in front of you and go ahead and grab a Bible. Go ahead and grab one of the Soul City Bibles and turn it to the book of Romans, chapter six. Romans six, which is on page 915 in your Soul City Bible. Romans chapter six. This passage that we're gonna look at together is actually a part of a much larger letter. This was actually a letter written by one of the early church founders and leaders, a guy named Paul. And this letter was written to one of the very first and one of the very largest Christian churches in the ancient world, in the ancient city of Rome. And something you should know about this Roman church is that a lot of the people who were a part of this church, they were basically brand new followers of Jesus. And so what Paul does in this letter is he does a lot of really foundational faith-building teaching because he's trying to describe to these new followers of Jesus what it actually looks like and what it actually means to follow this Jesus. And we are going to pick up with Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. And you have a part to play in this, so get ready. Warm up your vocal cords. Romans 6, verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were what? All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried what? With him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, what? We too may live a new life. Listen to verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So let's break this down real quick. So Paul here is actually, we catch him in the middle of a much longer and much larger argument that he is building and making, where he's saying that essentially to be a Christian, it means more than just you're impressed by some of the things that Jesus did. It means more than just being interested in some of the things that he says. It means more than just thinking that Jesus was a great guy who maybe you have a few things to learn from. But actually, what Paul's saying here is to be a follower of Jesus, Paul says that that means that you are, what he says, in Christ. And this phrase, in Christ, it's a phrase that Paul uses all throughout this letter and the entire New Testament, and it essentially means that when you say yes to Jesus, an entire change and transformation occurs in that moment. What it means is when you say yes to Jesus, in that moment, you are no longer defined by who you were or by what you did, but in Christ, you are actually defined by who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. What Paul's saying here is that when you say yes to Jesus, you are no longer your old self, but in Christ, you are actually given a new version of yourself, a new identity. You're no longer the mistakes that you once made, but in Christ, you're forgiven. You're no longer the things that used to bind you and hold you down or the labels that people used to put on you, but in Christ, you are free from all of that. You are no longer living the old story and the old narratives that you used to carry around, but in Christ, in a transforming relationship with Jesus, you're actually living an entirely new story. Does this make sense? Nod your head if it does. Okay, good. Now we get to Romans 6, verse 3, where Paul uses baptism as an example or as a picture of what it means to be in Christ. Because if you think about it, like at its base fundamental level, baptism is really, it's a picture. It is a snapshot of the entire story of Jesus. Think about it, because when we get baptized and we go down underneath the water, that is actually a symbol. That is supposed to represent Jesus's death. His death on the cross, price that he paid for all of humanity, and his burial in the grave. And then when we come up out of the water, because we baptize people, we don't drown them. When, when we come up out of the water, that is meant to symbolize his resurrection to new life, his victory over sin and death. If you think about it, baptism is a snapshot of the story of Jesus. And what Paul is saying here is that when we are baptized, we are stepping into that story. In other words, when we choose to get baptized, what we are saying is, as a follower of Jesus, his story is the story that I'm going to live in. His story of death and resurrection, of burial and new life, that's the story through which I am going to see every situation and every conversation and every moment in my life. That is the story I am going to allow to guide and direct my decision making. Now, I think maybe uh, 20% of you understand what I'm saying, and so I want to maybe try and explain it in a way that will make a little bit more sense. And I'm gonna use a positive story about my daughter because I have dad guilt from complaining about her earlier. So my daughter, uh, she loves Disney movies right now, just absolutely loves them because she has great taste. Um, And we watch them all the time together. We really enjoy doing this. And in any Disney movie, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, 
But in any Disney movie, the characters hit what I would call the low moment. This is the moment where things go off the rails, where everything goes wrong, and you're not quite sure if things are gonna turn around for our characters. Like this is the moment in Toy Story when Woody and Buzz are stuck in Sid's room and you are not sure if they are gonna make it back to Andy's house. This is the moment when Ursula the sea witch has taken the trident and she is wrecking havoc all over the seven seas. This is the moment when the cracks in the casita have gotten so bad that the entire house crumbles in Encanto. The low moment. And you know, my daughter, for being only two years old, uh, she like really understands these movies at this point because anytime we're watching a movie and it hits the low moment, she will respond verbally to it. She'll say things like, oh no, what happened to Woody? Or Mirabelle's sad. Like she's really feeling these lows with these characters. It's very, very sweet. But I want you to know that when I'm watching these movies with Florence, I'm never nervous at the low moment. And it's not just because I've seen these movies before. But the reason that I'm not nervous when they hit the low moment is because I know what kind of movie I'm watching. Yeah. You see, the, the, the reason that I have hope that things are going to turn around for these characters is because I know what kind of story they're living in. I know, in other words, that they are living in a story that was written by a creator who does not end things at a low moment. Yeah who does not end things in chaos, who does not end things in destruction. And the same is true for us as followers of Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, when you're in a transforming relationship with him, when you are in Christ, it means you are choosing to live in a story written by the ultimate creator who does not end things in the grave. Even when it is a death, even when it is a loss, it's not an ultimate loss. It's not the end of the story. And when we are baptized, we step into the waters, what we're saying is Christ risen is the story that I live in. Regardless of what narratives our culture might feed to me, regardless of what narratives were fed to me, you know, consciously or unconsciously by my family of origin, when we step into the waters of baptism, we're saying, I'm choosing the story of Jesus. I'm choosing a story of resurrection for my life. I'm choosing a story of hope for my life. I'm choosing a story of restoration, not just for my life, but for my family as well. I'm choosing a new beginning, a fresh start. I'm living a new story. Does this make sense at all? Now, rather than continue to explain this to you using Disney metaphors, I actually think it would be better for you all to hear how this type of thing is, is working out and playing out in the lives, uh, in the life of a real actual person who attends this church. And so I, I've actually invited Millie to come up. Everyone say hi to Millie. Millie's been a part of our church for a little while now, and uh, myself and Pastor Brandon, we asked if she would be willing to come up and share how this story, a new story, the story of Christ risen, is being played out in her life and in her story. And, and she's very nervous to do it. And we're very grateful for you to do it, really. So, please. Hi. <laughs> I'm Melly. <laughs> um, I'm from Costa Rica. I uh, grew up in church. I got baptized when I was about eight years old. Um, but as I grew up, I also grew apart from God. And I had some big doubts. Uh, including if he even existed. Um, this made my family very concerned, especially my younger sister. So 
I'm sorry for making you cry, Mari. <laughs> um, this year, life did a little bit of catching up with me, and I fell into a deep depression um, where I started having self-harm thoughts and episodes of uncontrollable crying, um, where it made my manager at work concerned enough to send me on a leave of absence. So during that time, I went to the people that I knew would at least be able to keep me safe, my family and my friends. But even when I was with them, I was thinking, how can I make this feeling stop? I was still feeling dread in the morning when I woke up and I was feeling lost and lonely. Um, when I came back to Chicago, um, I continued going to therapy. I started seeing a psychiatrist. I started taking antidepressants. Um, at the same time, um, my friend Bruna invited me to a women's table group um, here in Soul City. And I was hesitant because I hadn't been to church in years. But she convinced me and I came. And I actually had a really good time. Um, they were referring a lot to the Sunday sermon, which I hadn't been to. Um, so after a few weeks, I uh, grabbed the courage and came to Sunday. And it was a lot. <laughs> um, I remember seeing people during worship really like feeling it. And I, I did not understand it. Um, but I knew that if I wanted my life to change, I had to make a decision, and it had to start with God. So I prayed, and I asked God for help. Um, and I think that's what saved me. Um, so when they announced Baptism Sunday, I got really excited, and I told my friends and family that I was going to get baptized. But what they don't know is I actually never signed up for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to make sure it was the right decision for me, um, and that morning I made up my mind, so when they were done praying, they said amen, I went back there to get baptized, and um, I remember, <laughs> thank you, um, I remember right before Pastor Brandon was uh, going to submerge me, I asked if he could pray one more time for me. Um, to ask God to always be with me and to do things right and live by him. So he prayed and he submerged me and I cried a lot that day, um, tears of joy and happiness, having my friends with me and my family in Costa Rica watching online, um, everything just filled my heart with love. Um, so after that, I started coming to church, of course, every Sunday. I started going to Alpha. Shout out to group table four. <laughs> um, I'm still praying every day. And it's like this thing I heard in Alpha. Um, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't pray, they don't. <laughs> um, I understand that now. I get it. I understand what they feel when they sing and what they sing about. Um, God saved me, and I know that he can do the same for everyone. And it is my prayer that he does. Thank you. thank you. That takes, that takes so much courage, so much faith to stand, I know, to stand up in front of all of these people. Um, thank you. Thank you for your continued yes to God, not just to show up to a table group, 
not just to show up on a Sunday, not just to get baptized, but then to, to stand up here and to encourage these folks with your story. I'm grateful. We're all grateful. And, and that is just one of, I know, so many examples. I look out in this room and I feel very tender because there's, there's so many of your stories that, that I know at least portions of where you would say the same thing. You would say that, yeah, through a relationship with Jesus, you have begun to live a whole new story. By the transforming power of God, there's a new narrative happening, not just for you, but for others around you. And everyone who's gonna get baptized here today, that is true for them as well. When they step into these waters, what they're saying is, regardless of the stories that they used to carry, regardless of the stories that were fed to them, that today, through saying yes to Jesus, they're living a new and different story, one of hope, one of redemption, one of resurrection. And you know, we actually have a large group of folks who, who, have, who have pre-registered to be baptized today. And if you are one of those people, we are so excited to celebrate and hoot and holler and scream. We are so excited to do that. And something that we believe here is that God can move and God can call someone to something in a moment. And something that we also believe is that when God moves and when God calls you to something in a moment, that the best time to respond, coincidentally, is in that same moment. And so there's another group of you here today, and you showed up thinking this was just a normal Sunday at church. But as you've been sitting in this gathering and as you've heard Millie's story, there's this small voice inside of you that says, yeah, this is the right thing. This is the next step for you today. And maybe there's some resistance that pops up to that, but, but you can't deny it, that there's been something going on inside of you where you said, yeah, I, I've said yes to Jesus, but I haven't yet kind of publicly declared that. I haven't kind of shown it with my body that I'm living as a new person. I'm living a different story. And so you didn't come to church planning on being baptized today, but you might leave here having gotten baptized today. And, and anytime we sort of do this spontaneous invitation for people to be baptized, which we do it every single time, and there is always people who say yes to it. But anytime we do it, there's always some like hesitations. There's always a lot of questions that pop up for people. And, and you know, one of them is like, hey, what if I've been baptized before? Well, as you just heard from Melly's story, she was baptized as a really young person at a time when she maybe didn't quite fully understand the decision that she was making. Or maybe for you, you were baptized as an infant by your parents or a guardian. And we have the utmost respect for all traditions of baptism. But here, what, what we practice and what we believe is that baptism is the conscious choice of someone who has said yes to Jesus. And so if you are here today and you have said yes to Jesus, but you haven't yet made that conscious choice, I see no reason why you shouldn't be baptized today. Others of you are way more practical and you're like, well, John, I don't have extra clothes. It takes a long time to get my hair to look this good. Like, I don't really know what the process looks like. Hear me when I say this, our baptism team is the best I've ever seen. Like truly, they have everything you need. They have clothes, extra clothes in every size. They have hair products of every kind for every type of hair. They have extra towels. They got, I don't know, scented candles. They'll give you a pedicure. They'll do anything that you need. 
you're going to look great after you get in this water. What they like to say is they have thought of everything so that nothing could stand in the way of you being baptized today. Not a registration, not your plans, not your lovely wool winter sweater, nothing could stand in the way. And if you're still on the fence, if you're still like, I don't really know if it's right for me, simplest way I know how to say it. If you have said yes to Jesus and you have not yet declared that through baptism, then baptism is right for you. I'll say it again. If you have said yes to Jesus, whether it's right now in this gathering or whether it was 10 years ago or whenever, if you've said yes to Jesus, but you have not declared that through baptism, then baptism is right for you. And I'll go a step further. Baptism today perhaps is right for you. And so I'm gonna invite you, if you're able, would you stand to your feet? if you're in this room. And right now, I'm actually gonna lead us through a short prayer to give anybody in here an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And when we're done with that prayer, when I say amen, that is gonna be your cue, whether you pre-registered to be baptized or God did the pre-registration and just told you about it in the spirit. Whatever it is, if you are gonna be baptized today, whether you're on the floor or in the balcony, when I say amen and you are ready to be baptized, you're gonna go out the back doors and you're gonna be met by a team of people who will walk you through every single step of this process. You will not regret making that decision today. And so right now, I'm gonna lead us in a short little prayer for anyone who maybe hasn't said yes to Jesus before, or maybe you said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but your story includes some wandering. And today is a day for you to come back and say yes again. I just wanna invite you to open up your hands, everyone in the room, open up your hands, palms facing up. And we're just gonna pray a really, really simple prayer together. And I just wanna invite anyone in this room who is ready to say yes to Jesus today. You can pray this prayer, just repeat it after me. You can do it in your own mind and heart. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you simply just pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I confess the times and seasons that I've turned away from you. I turn to you now. I step into your story. I choose your story. Jesus, I say yes to you. And God, I thank you so much that you are the type of God who doesn't end stories at the low point. You're not a, necessarily a Disney happily ever after type of God. You're actually better than that. You are a God of resurrection. You are a God of new beginnings. You are a God of healing. You are a God of hope. You are a God of redemption. You are a God of reconciliation. Those are the type of stories that you wrote then, and those are the types of stories you are writing right now. And so God, I pray in this room for anyone who is on the fence, who is carrying around and feeling maybe dragged back by an old story. Father, would you just break the chains of that old story and let them know that's not the end of your story, but there's actually a new story that you can step into today. And Father, as we watch people be baptized, I pray we would be encouraged in our own faith, in our own stories, that there is hope on the other side, there is new life, and that there is resurrection. We celebrate that today, and we sing all of this in Jesus' name. 